welcome to the Kids Are All Night. This is a podcast where we talk about all the things you're told to leave at the door for Sunday dinner because your mom just wants you to have a nice, peaceful dinner for once. <laughs> I am Sagoy. I'm here with Jedi Kinsman, and maybe Avi will be joining us. She's still in the ladies' room. Yes, we, I wasn't going to say that, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> so today is... Uh, today's episode we are going to talk about killing all of the lawyers oh wait no sorry i shouldn't tell my lawyer that yeah we can talk about that <laughs> uh no so we were going to talk we're going to talk about a, a topic we teased uh several episodes ago i don't even know i don't even remember which episode it was it's been about uh, two weeks yeah. yeah where we talked about critical race theory and intersectionality and i scoffed at the term intersectionality and said I was really pissed off because racism, the term racism's definition has been changed. So let's turn this into a whole episode because it is. It's the basic premise of this, the question I guess we have with it is whether or not sociological and philosophical theories and frameworks and questions should be applied to real life. Or should, should they be left in the realm of academia? All right, to start this off, these two concepts intersectionality and critical race theory give you a little background they started at law schools that's why i said let's kill all the lawyers um they so started... actually critical critical race theory did not start at a law school it was by two it was taken by two sociologists who were studying law at harvard but they went to a conference and separately yeah. from the law school worked with other sociologists on kind of developing what this idea was yeah. which one was that critical race theory critical yeah race critical theory. race theory oh i i am i was wrong then because i thought oh yeah the, okay so yeah so this is idea... what this is where i got it from wikipedia which is a great source people says <laughs> that early analysis um <clears throat> of critical race theory maybe that's what you're talking about is the very first early bits of it uh -huh. when it became critical race theory kind of solidified and consolidated into one theory through the like legal scholars activists and lawyers during the civil rights era yeah, yeah. and then in the it... early 80s is when it started to really kind of push off and be put into curriculum it, yeah it was so it was an extension of the idea and i I don't know a ton about this subject, but it was an, it's an extension of critical legal theory. Um, and it was taken by these students, again, at Harvard, who were saying, um, you know, or who put it particularly in the context of race. And I'm going to have to Google again because my brain is not functioning. Yeah, that's fine. Specifics of critical legal theory. So I don't, I don't know critical legal theory, but for critical race theory, basically what it does now, how it's working now, is it examines um, like society, culture, the law, uh, history. Uh, so the history of the United States is something that's really been under the critical race theory microscope lately through this lens of race, law, and, and power dynamics and how power dynamics relate to race in the U.S. Um, so, so it's a social philosophy. Even though it started in law schools, it's not really a legal framework more as it is a social philosophy. Um, and it, it's really based on postmodernism and moral relativism. I am a more of a moral absolutist, which I think is probably why I don't like critical race theory. Um, I think postmodernism and moral relativism 
is like a helium balloon just kind of floating out in space wherever the wind blows it. So, okay, so, the, so I've got real a quick, good, oh, I was going to say, I have a different definition oh, here for ahead, us go ahead, go ahead. that we can kind of base. Okay, so critical legal studies, um, which is, you know, again, critical race theory is a an extension of this, but critical legal studies is a theory that states that the law is necessarily intertwined with social issues and proponents of CLS believe that the law supports the interests of those that create the law. So that back to your idea, this idea of power dynamics. So when it comes to critical race theory, you put that in the context of race, right? The, you know, who's the predominant race that's in power, they create laws that benefit other people of those race, of that race. I, I think that there is there's actually um, there's kind of a, a, a fundamental flaw and we see a number of ways in our legal system that this is actually not true. I mean, it's certainly true in some ways, but it doesn't pervade the legal system in the sense and it doesn't um, it doesn't uh, affect individuals. It, you know, so dramatically as to, you know, oppress them and keep them and hold them down. So to, so to put, so to put critical race theory into more like a more contextual, practical and, and recent <laughs> uh, perspective that, so critical race theory is actually used to, to sculpt curriculum at universities, or it was before Trump banned it. Um, it was actually used to sculpt curriculum and how they teach about yeah. history and about slavery and about, civil rights and about everything and it allowed them to actually use phrases in in academia like white guilt and and and, and teach about white power and about all of this and it, and it put it into the context of whites are in power and we're looking from the outside and they they didn't just apply that in schools they also put that in business practices through hr seminars and conferences with yeah. businesses through the hr and it became a huge part of a lot of very large corporations. They actually yep. did a study, um, a Swedish study that this is one that I was reading that 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 actually negatively impacted the atmosphere of the workplace long term. Is this this teaching of critical race theory because a lot of the white members of the workforce were, were feeling severely subjected to criticism and didn't feel comfortable in their workplace anymore. So. Okay, so, so hold is... on. Before we move okay, forward real quick, because there's a reason why I put two topics together instead of just p picking one of them. So what kind? one of the things that I, it's not been specifically stated that it grew from critical race theory, one grew from the other, but they still work closely together is intersectionality. What intersectionality is, is actually, um, they call it a framework, like an analytical framework. Um, to examine how identities of, of people are, are influenced by their various social and political identities. So if you are white, male, cisgender, conservative, you know, libertarian-leaning conservative, middle-class man, your identity is created by all of these various sub-identities. So your kind of place in life and it looks at doesn't just look at those and say hey all these things come into factor who a person is it takes it further and then works with critical race theory to say here are the power dynamics that happen so i just described 
what critical race theory and intersectionality see as the most privileged most privileged identity so let's go down to what they see as the least privileged identity the least privileged identity in this case would be a black trans woman who grew up poor liberal democrat or no 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 not liberal democrat um progressive democrat yeah um, that's a good distinction (laughs) yeah very good distinction um and and specifically these two ironically these two even though they've been picked up a lot by the left in in politics these two concepts are very antithetical to liberalism so we'll get to that in a minute Um, yes and they say this person is the least privileged so then let's use this critical race theory to um so now we've used intersectionality to analyze this let's use critical race theory to even out the playing field so to speak right restructure power dynamics so that this person is on an even playing field with someone who doesn't have particular you know other the same disadvantages and that's actually looks towards equity specifically yeah and this is yeah and this is kind of the fundamental you know the fundamental idea um Oh boy, I just lost my train of thought. So, so this is the fundamental idea here between I, what I think we call, you know, more nonchalantly, victimhood, the culture of victimhood, right? Is because, you know, the idea here is there's certain groups that have more power than other groups, which, by the way, I, I, I feel like is a myth because I'm still waiting for my power. <laughs> We literally just released uh, right before this episode an episode about how we were so, so poor growing up and we didn't have the privilege. And there were things we didn't talk about in that episode that specific, I think specifically relate to, to this idea. I don't know if we're ready to jump to them yet, but I'm going to yeah, anyway. Go ahead. Um, where we grew up in Phoenix and Maryvale is probably now in 2021 90 percent hispanic um when we were growing up there it was probably 75 80 percent hispanic i i remember distinctly being the only white white family in our neighborhood for a while we weren't the only ones but and maybe that's just because they didn't have kids i didn't see but yeah we were the minority for sure a few friends ricky and autumn and allison and then there was charles that were white but I think those are the only ones, actually, in our entire neighborhood. Yeah, I, I, I had very few. I, I'd have yeah. to drive several blocks to find a friend that was the same color as me. <laughs> right. Well, and in in school specifically in the classroom, that's kind of how this played out. You were the white yeah. kid, and we were. I remember being called all kinds of derogatory terms. I, for okay, being a so white girl. I, I I've been waiting for a platform to tell this story for years. All right. So I was walking home from school from Australia. The brief time that I went there, um, walking home from school and these kids, they're all, they're all Mexican teenagers that I assume went to probably Trevor Brown just by the neighborhood and just started throwing bottles at me while I was walking there drove right by in their car, throwing bottles out the window at me. Oh, stupid gringo laughing, pointing and followed me for several blocks, just throwing stuff out the window at me, calling me names. Also, it's just cause I was a white kid walking down the street. <laughs> That is that is wild. And, you know, I my experience was a little different. I, I mean, I definitely had times where I was told like you can't do X because you're white, right? Or you can't be like X because you're white. I, I had a few of those. 
I wouldn't shade, I wouldn't say that they were formative. For the most part, I didn't give a shit what color anybody was, right? Yeah, like, no. And, and partly it's because we had that diversity. We we yeah. had a, a lot of diversity. Of, yep. of, okay, actually, no, I wouldn't say it was diversity. Predominantly Hispanic. And we weren't um, the majority. What? Yeah, white people were not the majority. So in we weren't just. It wasn't just white people weren't the majority because we are white conservative. Um, we grew up conservative. Our parents were very conservative. Mormon. Religious. Mormon yeah. religious. Not just like Catholic religious. Mormon religious. Yeah. And, and so I remember when I started going to dances for church. And some of those dances would be... They were youth dances. For those of you who aren't Mormon, the Mormon church puts together these dances where you know, little Mormon kids can meet other little Mormon kids so they can grow up to be Mormon adults and have Mormon babies. And so, <laughs> um, exactly. but you get to go to <laughs> exactly. church, you know, church dances. I started going to church dances that were outside our neighborhood and I was shocked. I felt out of place by how white they were. Yeah, right? like, definitely. Yeah. Were, moving, were, moving to Alabama was insane for that exact reason. Yeah. I was shocked. You feel out of place. So I, was bring, so I bring up this where we grew up for a very specific reason. Jedi, I don't know if you experienced this. Maybe you didn't. Um, but when it was time to start thinking about college, even before that, I don't remember ever having a conversation with an academic counselor about college, how to apply for college, I, I how did to apply for financing. I don't remember ever having that conversation. I never did. And I, I, did, I know, yeah. my, my, know my minority peers did have that conversation because i would overhear them talking about all of that stuff and i'd be like what what do you mean what the heck is fafsa like what do you mean i already have to apply to colleges i don't understand this and i think that what happened was because i was a white girl from a two-parent household they assumed my parents were taking care of that and teaching me those things and my mom and dad they didn't really at that point in time at least teach me how to do any of that I didn't have that direction so I didn't go to college right after high school I didn't take advantage of a scholarship that I had I didn't do anything so I my experience was a little bit different I so go for those listeners who don't know Sequoia and I did go we went to the same high school um my the reason why mine was different was because I was in the at the top of my class, and so my you know, yeah, I was like number thirty. Yeah, so yeah, and so I was number two in my class, and my guidance counselor obviously there's so in the state of Arizona, I think it's like if you're in the top ten percent of your class, you or five percent or something, you get a an automatic full ride scholarship to. Uh, one of the two Arizona State University and then there was another scholarship for University of Arizona well you got so so um, you got a full ride to a state university if you were in the top five percent and if you I think it was in the top ten percent you got because I was in the top ten percent you got a full ride to any of the community colleges oh okay okay yeah so um but anyways I did have those conversations with my guidance counselor um one of the things that I kind of look look back on and and it it didn't happen is nobody told me things like hey you could you know if you study hard for the acts i didn't study at all for the acts by the way i just i didn't either showed, showed up, up and took it ACTs i didn't even know that, 
I didn't know you were able to, you could study for it, yep. right? I, I thought it was just like, this is a test of how innately intelligent you are. <laughs> I thought so too. I didn't That's what I thought it study. was, right? Is it not? I mean, so, it, it should be. No, it's not. Like, no, you, you can go, study. So I, yeah. I was doing a job in in uh, New Jersey. I never time, took it. I just in it's weird, but in New Jersey, so it's not weird, but in New Jersey, there's a lot of people from India, um, Pakistan, kind of that region of the world, and um, they have their own radio station, and I just was flipping through, and it popped up, and I you know listened to it for a while just to kind of get that experience and you know hear what there was and. Uh, one of the commercials that popped up a lot on multiple different radio stations was take this ACT SAT prep course for your children. Pay for this prep course for your children. Okay, Jedi, it's like brag a cultural minute, thing. Though. Brag for a minute. What okay. were your scores? No prep. No testing. Remember. You don't remember your scores? 30, 31. 31. 31. That's really high for an ACT. That's insane. That's really high. Mine was 30. That's insanely I, high. I didn't take no, the that's ACT, no but I took the pre-ACT. For no prep? Jedi, I, for no, zero I did, prep. It's not 31. It's, it was 29. It was 29. Yeah, mine was I 30. I got you, you a better. 29 on Good the job. pre-ACT, and they gave me an award for it, and I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, yeah. did, I did nothing. I I showed up barely to the yeah. test, took Jedi, it, and they did, gave me an award for it. I was did like, you what, take, what is this? <laughs> did you take the SATs? I did not take the SATs, because I by that time, I... I was kind of like really hardcore. Like I'm going, I'm going to go to BYU. That's the only and school they only I'm going to go the ACTs. to, you know, and they only do the ACTs. See, I didn't even think about college at all. I was just told you should take them, even if you don't want to go to college. So I took the ACT and the SAT. I got 30 on the, on the nice. 30 on the ACTs and I got yeah. 1200. And this is when the SATs were out of 1600. So I got 1200 on the SATs showing up last minute, hadn't eaten breakfast, didn't even know what the frick I was doing. Oh, yeah. I, got 12 I did. Um, I did. So standardized. I didn't learn that you could do standardized or you could prepare for a standardized test until I started prepping for law school um, and for taking the LSAT. Yeah. When I took the um, GREs, I was like, wait, there's a exam book Ex I can yeah, test exactly. for? I, yeah, exactly. I can study? Yeah. Okay. And I started, it, what's funny is I started doing research on like all of the other standardized tests that I had taken in my life. Every single one of them had, there was a prep course out there for it. And did like, you, yeah, did you know there's even one for the ASVAB? Yeah, there is, yep. there is. I got, is. I took that and got an 85 nice. and, and then I found out afterwards that there was a prep and I was like, oh there's man, a prep I, got, course. I was yeah. like, I probably could have gotten nuclear okay, engineer if I prepped. Can you guys imagine <laughs> yeah. if we hadn't basically been looked over overlooked because we were considered privileged Loss of potentials yeah that's i've thought about that before yeah how much how much if if somebody didn't look at us because critical race theory and intersectionality they started in the 80s so we're talking about the early to mid 2000s here i graduated 2005 Jared, i graduated 2004 kinsman graduated 2011 when did you I graduated graduate? 2013 13 um so we're talking about early to mid 2000s here so this has been in society taught in schools for a while at that point um it was really gaining ground and steam right around this time these two concepts we were the white kids with a two-parent household in a lower middle-class neighborhood nobody realized i think just how poor we were the fact that mom and dad never went to college not at that point they hadn't gone to college yet now ironically now our dad is working on a phd 
Is he still doing that? I don't know if he's. I think he has. I think he has like two or three years left before he has to do his. Yeah, has to finish it. Otherwise, it it won't count. Right, but everything goes away. But um, they at the time they hadn't they hadn't graduated college. They barely worked. You know, dad had jobs here and there, but we were incredibly poor. Nobody talked to us about these things. How much? We didn't know we could study for the SATs. We didn't know we could apply to college. Yeah, and this is before the internet was was ubiquitous. Yeah, you you didn't necessarily just get on and Google things at that time. It it wasn't what was done. Maybe for kinsmen at that point, but... And so our loss of potential, because people assumed, and this is the harm, and this is why I hate critical race theory and intersectionality, because I've lived the effects of assuming that because I am white, I appear to be middle class, I appear to be conservative um, woman, and, and Jedi is a man, he's even, you know got less intersectionality points as i like to call them intersectionality actually i think ben shapiro got me i think ben shapiro calls him that (laughs) um because people assumed this how much in my life how much lost potential do i have but i mean one thing we do have to acknowledge though i mean i'm i'm sitting here I I have a bachelor's degree in physics. I have a law degree. I have a I you know right now I have a successful and very robust legal practice. Um, maybe some of that was delayed or you know I don't know who knows. Maybe instead of going to uh, BYU, I could have gone to Michigan or Virginia or Harvard or something. Who knows, right? But I I don't actually feel like it's hurt me that much. I know that there are, me personally, I'm going to say that about me personally, the, but the bigger problem is that there are definitely people in groups that have more in common in terms of how their life experience plays out with other groups than they do with their own group. But when we treat people as if you're part of a group, this is how your life has gone, right? When we do that, and when that's how we, when that's how we structure power dynamics, then those people get lost. It's not like we're making yeah. it better for the most, you know, for the largest group of people. We're just losing different people. The right? problem is that with with critical race theory, it's it's just it's just swinging one way in a pendulum. Yeah. And and what what happens is, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like white trash. <laughs> I live in an yes. area that I would yes. consider pretty poor, um, and there are some pretty like you know very very bad people living in rv campers that are from the 70s and then they have all of their appliances outside with their clothes hanging up and the kids are rolling around in mud in the front yard i mean very poor i remember when mom and dad got cps called on them for that imagine imagine growing up in that imagine living in that and then being told your whole life that you're You're privileged privileged. and you're better than somebody else and you have seen none of the effects of it well, it and, swings and, further towards the other side of the pendulum, and we're looking for equilibrium. And the further you go left, the harder it's going to push right, and have you vice guys, versa. Have yeah. you guys seen or read um, "Hillbilly Elegy"? I've heard. No, I've it's heard good so, things about it, though. It's so good. I I love that show so much because I think that actually captures exactly this problem that we're talking about. That there is a huge swath of the American population. Right, especially in in the you know in the Midwest and in the you know um, if you go a little bit more east, more towards Appalachia, of of people that are low class, kind of 
hillbillies. I know that's actually a derogatory term, but hillbillies, yeah. right? Um, that are going to get missed, right? Because because politically, the people in power don't actually care about them. They care what you know. What's do do you hit those intersectionality? checkboxes well, right? like minority race you know do you are you are you female or do you identify as a different gender are you gay right are you you know yeah. are, have you been poor and and i actually don't even think that poverty like where you grew up that that a lot of times doesn't get counted right because you see a lot of people who are from a you know a minority race here in the united states who can claim to have all of these disadvantages and such a terrible life, but who have been raised wealthy, who are, are wealthy, who have great, amazing lives. I mean, I just, I, I close my eyes and I shake my head every time an NBA player comes out and says something like, you know, how terrible it is to be black in America. I, I really do because for, you know, how terrible has it, has it been for you, really? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Audie um, sounds like she so, wants to keep jumping in. Yeah, Y'all are like monopolizing <laughs> this. Look, okay, so a couple of things. So one, this idea of intersectionality, critical race theory, um, white privilege, white guilt. Um, uh, I would wrap, wrap into that. Um, oh, what was it called? Wrap into that. Oh, frick, what's it called? Affirmative action. Oh, yeah. Where people your your individual experiences and um triumphs and failures are being discounted all right yeah. yeah so so like for me and alex for instance we got married and when ryan was born we were living with his parents because we couldn't afford our own place we were both working i was working full-time for mcdonald's minimum wage and alex was working part-time two jobs and he worked his way up at one of those jobs to become full-time and he got a raise and then he got another position and he showed his merit to the company and was able to move around and eventually ended up here in Birmingham. I started at the bottom part-time at the same company. Um, they didn't hire me because I was Alex's wife. They hired me because I was available <laughs> and I worked my way up. I showed them my worth and I applied myself. Now Alex work works a pretty good job. He's got, it's a really great job for our family and he has more places that he can go because of the new company that he's working for. But people have said to us that he only got his initial job because of his connections to people at work or not at work, but at church because our Bishop and our ward back then worked for the same company and like, maybe, yeah, I, the job was posted. I mean, you know, he interviewed for it like anyone else would, um, and they hired him, but they didn't move him up and up and up and up and up and give him more responsibilities and raises and more opportunities because of who he knew. It was because of what he showed you. And it bothers me when people say, well, you only got it because of your race or because of your privilege growing up, your parents were wealthy. Our parents were poor growing up, and now Alex and I are staunchly middle class. And I don't take I don't like I don't take that for granted. I try to make sure that my kids aren't spoiled. I would love to spoil my kids, but I try not to I try not to do that. But you you class people in saying, well, you only got this not because of who you are or your skills or what you bring to the table, but because of your skin color or your or your gender. Yeah. But then you also victimize other people who don't need to be victimized. Like uh, who was it? 
there was this, hang on, there was a Senate committee about this a couple of years ago, I think it was, oh, about reparations. And this guy, this kid got up and he was in a PhD program and he got in and he was like, um, I, I think he was a descendant of one of Thomas Jefferson's slaves or something like that. And he said that to give him reparations makes him into a victim when he is not a victim. To group people together and say, because you share skin color, because you share a gender or a religion or sexual orientation, this is how I'm going to treat you, just completely obliterates any other aspect of that person, their personality, their work ethic, how they were raised, their education, like it just completely obliterates it. And it's, it discounts huge swaths of people because of it. And it's just, it's not fair. And that's my biggest problem with it. I, I, I'm not where I am because of my skin color or because I grew up middle-class. I'm where I am because my husband and I worked really hard, paid off all of our debt, spent our money wisely and worked our way up in our companies. Like, well, and I was, I was going to say that's, that's kind of Jedi story. I think is probably the most uh, highest contrast, I guess, to this where he would have, he, as the oldest, he would have grown up with in us the poorest because mom and dad did better as we all got older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He would have grown up the poorest with the least advantages and he is doing the best of us now. But if you just look at Jedi, the lawyer now, white guy that has a Harley and, you know, <laughs> gets to do all kinds of really cool, go to the Caribbean, um, on a Caribbean cruise. Is that what you did? Anyways, um, you assume <laughs> he is this privileged person without understanding any of his individual story. So this is my real issue with critical race theory and intersectionality. Intersectionality especially is a framework that in theory looks at a whole person, everything that makes that person who they are and examines them in the parts that make the whole. The problem is that it doesn't. It doesn't actually. In practice, in yeah. practice, you get more points if you're less, if you're from the right group. Well, what it does is it, it takes certain aspects of an identity and causes them to overshadow other aspects. It's more important with intersectionality and critical race theory that Jedi is white than that Jedi grew up in abject poverty, eating potatoes and green beans for an entire summer, never being able to do, have anything nice and new until he was a grown up and worked and provided it for himself. It doesn't, it doesn't examine the sociological or effects of my life where I didn't have access to information about college, even though I'm a very intelligent person and probably could have thrived had I, in, in a math or science field, had I been pushed towards um, college while I was in high school, but nobody ever bothered because I was the white girl with two parents at home. It overshadows the actual individual with almost meaningless things. Yeah. And the one thing that I do go back and forth on with this subject is if I were to take my life story, right, my circumstances that I grew up in and just change my skin color, right? Yep. Can I say for 100 with 100% certainty, let let's hold everything else even can and including how I, you know, how I was raised what how i think about myself in relation to the world hold all those things 
even just change my skin color, um, would my story be different? And I, I can't say, um, I, I can't say with 100% certainty that it wouldn't be different. I, I don't know that for sure. I do know, for well, example, and that's I went you to. Can't know. Right. I, I do know, for example, I went to law school with a lot of people of color, right? But, I mean, BYU is a very, very white school to begin with. Um, but I definitely, you know, went to school with people of color who are very smart, people who were a lot smarter than me. I, one of the guys I look at, look at who I admired the most from law school um, is an African-American guy because I remember one time we sat down, he was a year behind me, we sat down, and he just started talking about uh, political theory. He's actually a very conservative, conservative guy, but his knowledge would just blew me away. I was like, I'm talking to someone who's way smarter than me. And I just kind of went, uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, that's really cool. Wow, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because <laughs> I couldn't even contribute anything to what this guy was <laughs> saying, right? right? And so, um, you know, but, I, you know, I think about that and I think about, okay, so, but if I were a person of color, would my would my life be different? I, I just don't know because of the stories that are out there of individuals. I, I just don't know 100% if that's true, right? Like, you know, for example, the job that I got now, um, I got it because I clerked with a law firm um, and where this attorney who started the firm, he also worked there. So I clerked there when I was in law school. He was an associate. He later started his own firm, called me up and said, hey, I'm starting my own firm. I got a lot of work. You want to come over? I can't say for a hundred with 100% certainty that that would have happened if I had been, if my skin was a different color. Hold everything else the same? I, I can't say. And that, that's not to say he's he's racist expressly or implicitly or biased in any way. I, I just, I don't have any data to know whether or not that would be true, right? My I want to believe that that's true, but there's no way for me to be able to test that. Right. And so, and, and that's, that's kind of challenging. I mean, I know there have been some tests done with like names, like using quote black sounding names, same qualifications apply for the same job and they're much less likely to get invited for an interview. Right. There's been that, those kinds of studies. And I don't, I just have heard about it very kind of, people assume I'm when I lived in the South, people assumed I was black because of my name. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe you've missed out on some job opportunities. I'm absolutely certain I have actually. So, and and that's exactly the point, right? Is you know the these things is does race affect that? And I think that's what you know critical race theory intersectionality, at a high level, at the high top you know top levels of power, want to shift that balance or at least bring that to light. Because I know now, when I'm looking at you know we've I've been part of some of the processes of looking at bringing attorneys on or other staff on to at the firm. I very conscious in saying okay if if i see a name of someone who's a you know a woman or who's a sounds like they're of a different ethnic background or race i make a conscious effort to discount that and maybe that's you know the benefit of all of this we, we definitely have acknowledged a lot of the shortcomings but maybe some of the benefit is that you know there we can be a little more conscious about that potential for that and yeah. compensate all right, we are running out of time. I do have a wrap-up I want to do on this. Before I get to that, does anybody else have anything that they would like to add? Um, yeah, it just the, the, it brings back the question you know, that you asked at the beginning. Does this, should this theory be applied in real life? And I, I think that we've kind of seen 
Jedi points out that it, you know, in practice, in theory, this could, it's the right track. And, 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 and in its essence, they're trying to do the right thing. And um, so well, you sent a link when we first brought up this article way back of this uh, PhD woman speaking about Carlin critical Boris race theory. Sanko? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Wonderful. Carlin Borisenko. She yeah. is, let me introduce her real quick. I mean, introduce as if, so you guys can go look her up. Um, she is a organizational psychologist. Interestingly enough, that's what dad's master's degree is. And it's right. not a very very large yeah. field either. She's an origin organizational psychologist. So she specifically looks and works with HR departments. And so when she saw critical race theory coming up, at first actually she was very much a part of this. Um, she she calls herself kind of like a reformed SJW, social justice warrior. Interesting. Yeah. And now she, now that she's kind of watched it play out. out. Yeah, gotten out of that mindset that comes with it. She looks at it and she says she can see the harm for this. And so she has kind of her own alternative it, training yeah, yeah. that she does. It gives it gives. It gives teachers and it gives businesses authority to categorize people more. And it further categorizes people into even, you know, more subcategories, white, male, woman, female, transgender, black. It, 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 and then woman now and we're looking. Female are different. Right. And now we're, it gives it gives more credence know, to looking to... into somebody's identity and then judging them on that identity, which is yeah. the complete backtrack of what we've been trying to do in this nation for the last, you know, two decades, yeah. three decades, four decades, you know, seven decades. <laughs> Kenzen, you did a great job setting up my closure here. Um, so first off, go find, if you guys are more interested in this topic, go find Dr. Cor- Carlin Borisenko on YouTube, Twitter. She has a locals page. You can go look for her there. She talks about this topic. She talks about a lot of things, actually. Sounds like Russian disinformation. Um, she's not Russian. Her husband <laughs> is Ukrainian, though, I think. Well, close enough. <laughs> that, oh, don't say that. That's bad. Um, but she um, she's really great. She has a really great perspective. Um, so go look her up. I, re- I really like her videos um, and how she kind of looks at things and explains things. But I, I wanted to bring out a few points that were, were kind of touched on a little bit here. Avi, you talked about um, kind of like the people in power. That's kind of the crux of why there are issues with critical race theory and intersectionality is because it's used by the people in power not to try to improve the lives of their constituents, but to just get themselves more power. Get yeah, to maintain power. Exactly. Yes. exactly. Yeah. Anytime that that's happening you need to question i i am a very libertarian person and i question all authority and i I, I want people out of my life to let me make my decisions like i'm an adult and i can do that very suspicious of the government very suspicious of the government which is the setup for the next brings us to our next episode (laughs) we'll get there (laughs) okay um but anytime that that's happening you should stop and question the tactics that they're using that's part of why i really studied rhetoric when I was in college is because I wanted to understand the tactics that they were using. These, as an academic analytical framework, intersectionality and critical race theory, I think has a place to examine, you know, higher kind of concepts, to examine things. There's a lot of different theories. So when you look in like literature, there's a lot of different theories because and each of those theories provides you a different perspective, a different lens <clears throat> lens to look through to understand a piece of literature. I think intersectionality and critical race theory have a place in academia amongst those theories. Um, and they can be used, you know, across a lot of different subjects. But the problem comes when they are being almost unilaterally 
applied in real life. I'm I'm firmly on the side of no, they should they need to stay as philosophies, as theories that are used in academia. Well, so and, and they need to stay. They, I think they need to stay there because when they are being applied, they are being applied incorrectly. They are being applied unilaterally. They are being applied as if they are gospel, and they are being applied in order to gain and maintain power for elite. Yeah, and so I think the real problem is not that they're they're that they're being applied in power systems, right? Because that that's essentially what they're there for is to shift the power dynamics yeah. so that there's more equity, right? So I, I don't think equity, that's actually... Equity, though, is a terrible... Well, equity is I a mean, terrible goal, but yeah, we'll get to that gotta, in a second. We can do a whole whole other podcast on that, but I, I don't think it's the problem that it's being applied. It, it's The problem is... And, and to test it out, right? To test a theory. The yes, problem is it's not applied in a scientific way. You no. know, scientists are dispassionate. They're blind to whatever their results are. It's the process that's important and how you get there you know, to the end result to make sure that the question that you asked is answered by the end of your experiment. That's not what, that's not what is being, what's happening here. It's actually being affirmatively used as a tool and really leveraging the emotions of people like, you know, intersectionality, critical race theory, they don't work in a society where people don't give a shit, right? It, they, they just don't work. It only works in America, particularly, and in Western societies more broadly, because we actually care. We're like, oh, shoot, you know, this guy feels like he's not getting a fair shake in life. What can we do to help him? That's why that works here in America. And so, so and so, Jenna, what it's used so used what you're as, saying is we should stop giving a shit. No, well, Jedi, I'm, I'm going to it, interrupt you. Let okay. me just finish the thought real quick. Is it, it's it's used as a tool to shift power rather than as kind of an experiment to see whether or not this actually is a valid theory, right? Right. So so it's being used it's being used, it's being implemented before it was ever tested. Um, but and at its heart, it is antithetical to basically everything that has built America, everything that has been proven to work in building America and getting America to where it is. Right. You talked about equity. Equity is almost the opposite of equality. Equity looks at, at outcome rather than like starting point. It doesn't even equality doesn't even worry about starting point. Equality just looks at getting out of the way of people to be able to succeed. Whereas equity says we need to lift everybody up and make everything equal regardless of what the consequences might be for others. And what actually happens instead of lifting people up is that they push everybody else down until they're all at the same level. Yeah, I would love to explore that we will more in another we will. podcast. I just wanted to briefly... Oh, we're out of time. Let's talk about it for another 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm not done doing my wrap-up. The less you guys interrupt me, Your wrap -up the is faster so we can long. get through this. Is it a blanket? Is, her yes. wrap-up is its own podcast. No, it's called a conclusion. <laughs> Have you guys ever actually written an argument okay look we didn't all major in english Jedi okay. majored in in the law he should know you gotta have some mm. conclusion here the, have you ever okay, heard lawyers you know what, you know they go what on the and on and on and on and on the conclusion in a Jedi legal has brief is one shown sentence us already so. okay well the conclusion in um boom mic drop in, that's what the sentence is um a literary argument is much longer than that Oh my gosh. Okay. It is an antithetical, and I would have gotten to this a lot faster, by the way, you guys. It's antithetical to the values of individualism, liberty, manifest destiny, equality, all of these things that have made America great. 
um, yes, MAGA, <laughs> America great again. But there are all these things that have made America what it is, made America possible, not just great, but possible. And, and now we are trying to apply things that are antithetical to that in order to fix something that may not actually be broken, may just needed more time sticking to the existing values to continue to work itself out because it had been working itself out. If that makes sense. It is still playing out in the grand scheme of things. We just haven't exactly. given it enough time. Exactly. Yeah. Also, so, really I, quick. I, I want to just um, say, cause I know we're going to go on this. I'm just putting a pin in it because I, I think I disagree with that. So I'd ha- I'm happy to talk about it in the next podcast. Okay. Next. We'll set that up. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, so that's my thoughts on that and why I don't personally like it. Um, I also don't, I don't think we can go on for this any longer. I kind of planned for this to be a long episode, but we do need (laughs) to wrap it up at some point before we lose our entire audience. So on that note, before you lose me, we are going to, (laughs) we are going to call it an episode. We're going to call it a day. Um, we hope to see call you. Call it a night. Oh, oh, call it a <laughs> oh, night. Ding, ding, ding. How many night puffs can we do? All of them. Y'all have made none. Okay. <laughs> Uh, our entire podcast is one big night pun, but okay. So, um, one doesn't count. We're going to call it a night and we there hope to go. see you on our next episode. Feel free to like or subscribe or don't. We don't actually care. Oh, wait. What are we talking about in our next episode? Our next episode is going to be super, super fun conspiracy facts, not theories. Theories. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. Conspiracy. Call theories. in if you want. Yes. Please uh, call in with your favorites or. Call in with uh, questions. Always call in with questions, actually. We love those, frankly. They're great. So we hope okay, to see you. Bye. <laughs> Good night. Okay, <Good> <laughs> <Kate>, bye. <laughs> Ken, Ken's one's clearly done. <laughs> <laughs>